0: for it in jesus name amen Amen. all right in the book of romans we are going to be finishing up god uh, willing this morning uh, in romans 7 and just a very quick review because time is short Uh, as we have seen in uh, as paul has been teaching Uh, in in chapter 7, that everyone here is either in Christ or you're in Adam. Either sin reigns in your life or grace reigns in your life. You're either a slave of sin or a slave of righteousness. You're either married to the law or you're married to Christ. Uh, Basically, in Romans 7, I think Paul is showing us the place, the purpose, and the powerlessness of the law. We need to keep that in mind as we even study it today. And last week, we saw Paul's experience and what the law did in his life, Uh, how he was a a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He had it all together, and yet uh, it became inward to him. He saw what coveting was, and uh, he died. He died to the idea that he could be saved by keeping the law, by doing anything uh, and so, he came to the end of himself, and God brought him there, to the end of himself. And uh, uh, God, of course, has, has done that in our lives, if we know him. This self-righteous Pharisee, and I like the idea that uh, uh, we all once were Pharisees, but believe it or not, we're still Pharisees, we're just recovering. <laughs> all right? Because we all stumble and fall in, in sin, and... Uh, can become self-righteous, and, and what have you. And so uh, he was, Paul was brought to the end of, end of himself, one who thought he was blameless, alive, if you were, uh, found that, no, he needed Christ. And uh, sin became real sin in, in his inner man. And we saw how deceitful sin was, and powerful sin is and the exceeding sinfulness of sin. We don't like to talk about that. We like to talk about nice things, not the exceeding sinfulness of sin. And, uh, but anyway, uh, God brought him to the point where he was saved, and uh, we must bring men and women and children to the point where they need to see they need salvation in Christ that apart from Christ, they are lost. And so, if you don't get somebody saved, of course, you can't get them saved, but, but you know that. If you, lead them to, uh, if you don't lead them to Christ, lead them to lostness. Make sure that they understand that they're lost because they cannot be found until they understand they're lost. So important. And Paul had to come to that. Uh, in verses uh, 14 through 25 this morning that we will look at in Romans 7 is one of the most controversial passages actually in all of scriptures. Uh, it has led in churches to bad attitudes, uh, debates, uh, disputing over uh, what Paul is saying here. Uh, I have seen uh, in, in uh, even at Bob Jones, everybody yelling and screaming at each other what Paul was saying here. But let's pray that that doesn't happen. That God would show what you need and teach you what you need from this passage. Sometimes we can put up a defense and not receive truth. You know what I'm saying? We can can stand up but never have it affect our lives. And that's a real danger. And We feel good about ourselves because we're defending the faith. But the faith never affects us. The gospel never affects us but we're good at defending it. And, and so let's not have this thing in uh, uh, you know, that way. I don't think it will, but I'm just saying are three main views concerning this passage from 14 through the end of the chapter, uh, one believes what's being described here is the lost man, the unregenerate man. This view was held by most of the early church fathers up to the third century amazingly, and uh, the second thought concerning this is no, this is a born again man uh, uh, is a description of the, the apostle Paul himself at the time that he actually wrote the epistle and what he is talking about here as a saved man is the conflict that goes on between the old man and the new man And that's my position, and and I I agree with him. Augustine was one of the first to change his mind uh, and see this as a regenerate man, and yet he started out believing this was an unsaved man here. And so we can see that it's not wrong to change your mind about things if God, the Holy Spirit, teaches you that and shows you that. Uh, We need to be receptive to that. As I always said, though, don't be so open-minded that your brains fall out. But be open-minded. You know, be open minded. Be willing to listen to the Spirit's calling and moving in your life. Don't bring up excuses or reasons uh, to reject something until you've given it uh, a lot of thought and prayer. But uh, I can give a whole lot of reasons for why this is the lost man. I'm not going to do that. But why I believe this is speaking here of of a saved man. For one thing, that we see the use of the present tense in verse uh fort beginning in verse 14 all we saw last week was in the past tense but paul says now i am carnal in other words as a believer now he says i am carnal uh and also uh we 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 see here that the law is spiritual also in verse 14 what a lost man talk about the law as being spiritual or good that he agrees that the law is good uh Uh, does the unsaved person agree with the law also in verse 22 of that same chapter he delights in the law does an unsaved person delight in god's law in the inward man i don't think he does does the lost man see himself as wretched as paul declares himself to be and uh, of course when the holy spirit begins to work in his life yeah he sees his wretchedness so again there's different thoughts concerning this and uh Uh, I'm not going to be dogmatic about it. Uh, uh, It's funny, if you're too dogmatic, people get mad at you. If you're not dogmatic enough, they get mad at you. (laughs) But uh, I think a solution to this passage, though, is remembering what the purpose is. And that is Paul is showing the place, the purpose, and the powerlessness of the law. To justify or to grow or to be sanctified by keeping it. Okay, that's, I think this is what he is driving at here. And we're going to see that in, as we go into chapter 8, which is that a Christian is now led by the Spirit. It is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit in him, who leads and directs his life. And we need to uh, uh, be sensitive to the Spirit's moving in us. Uh, keeping the law neither justifies or sanctifies you. It neither justifies you or sanctifies you by your keeping it. Now that's, that's something we struggle with. I even struggle with that uh, as, as we live the Christian life. And uh, so what we see here is a man who is trying uh, to do good by his own efforts. And a man cannot gain victory over sin by law keeping. It just does not happen. There is no power in the law to change you. The law will tell you that you're bad, but it has no power to change that badness in you. It's powerless. Only the Holy Spirit, only the Spirit of God uh, does that, and we'll see that in chapter 8. So we have a heart problem. This is a heart problem. And you can't change people by making more laws. Amen? Do You think we have enough laws around? <laughs> yes, and we can't even keep those. But change, making laws... Making more laws does not change people. Uh, they had 600, wasn't it, in the Old Testament? Did anybody get changed by it? Uh, no. Nope. <laughs> uh, it was just a burden. We, we talked about last week that verse that uh, Peter said, hey, why put this burden on the Gentiles that we haven't even been able to bear? It's a yoke. It's a bondage. Uh, that that uh, So good grief. Uh, wake up. Uh, no, what the law does... Uh, It doesn't purify us. It doesn't purify us by keeping it. It doesn't make us better people by keeping it. What does it do? It stirs up sin. It shows us our need of Jesus. And uh, the law has a very good uh, working in our life in that way. Um, We also, I, I see in these verses from 14 through 23. This is not, uh, what is described here is not a Christian as he ought to be or should be or will be. Or, but no, Paul is talking about the conflict that's going on between what he used to be, that old nature that he had in, in Adam is still there, but now he is in Christ. He is a new creature in Christ. And so there's this war that's going on within him. And it's a battle. And uh, he is struggling with it. And uh, that's, what, that's what this, I believe, is, is pointing to here. Uh, because we have seen that sin will not have dominion over a Christian. It will not have dominion over a Christian. Sin will not... Uh, uh, be or describe a Christian any longer so let's look at this phrase by phrase because of the time I'm not going to take time to read it it's lengthy but uh, uh, just we'll go through it phrase by phrase beginning in verse 14 for we know that the law is spiritual but I am of flesh sold into bondage to sin Paul says and again I think this is Paul speaking about what he has experienced and I think we can say, if we're truthful, we have all experienced what he's talking about here. And, uh, and I hope that you'll see yourself here. Uh, and he says, we, that is we believers, know that the law is spiritual. Spiritual because God gave it. And uh, it is spiritual because the Holy Spirit takes it and cuts us in two with it. We realize that we cannot live up to it. But it's holy and it's good it's it's quick it's powerful it's sharper than any t- two-edged sword it'll it cuts asunder but what is man like he says paul says i am carnal now we know we may not know what carnal here means but we know what it does not mean when paul says i am carnal he is not saying that his whole life all the time is dominated by carnality he's not saying here that Nothing's changed and I'm still the old guy I used to be and it uh, doesn't matter how I live and uh, uh, just excuse sin. No, that's not what he's saying here. Uh, and we know that from what we've studied so far in Romans. Uh, I believe a person whose life is totally dominated by carnality is unsaved. And if you look in 1 Corinthians, he, talks, he calls the Corinthians... He says they have all these wonderful spiritual gifts, but he says I have this against you. And then he talks about a specific sin. He's not talking about their whole life is carnal. He's saying over here you're acting like a lost person. You're not acting like a Christian should. And so we all struggle with that. So I'm not up here pointing fingers at you and saying you need to get like you know, you need to get it together like I have it. Because What does Paul say at the end of this chapter? Oh, wretched man that I am. You see, not, boy, I've I've arrived now and I don't sin anymore and and what have you. But uh, no, uh, he's he's a wretched man. Uh, He's referring to his fallen and corrupt nature that is still present in his life. And uh, we have to admit, the Holy Spirit is not always in control of certain areas of our lives. Amen? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, uh, we, uh, we struggle, and we all have different struggles, by the way. One person's might be lust. Another one might, might be some other aspect. Uh, it can even, I won't mention Alabama and Auburn football. Or I won't say that. you know. <laughs> But anything can become an idol, anything that we put before God. Uh, So, short of heaven, we will always have this element of carnality in us. And again, Paul is not excusing sin here. He is not saying, then okay, just go out and live like you want to because you still have your sinful nature. There's nothing you can do about it, and woe is me, get on with life. No. No, and he goes on, he said, we're sold under sin uh, here in this verse. And again, this is not a slave of sin, but it's it's this struggle. Uh, because we're slaves of righteousness we found in chapter six it means at times we come under the captivity of sin and when we do things in our own strength we'll talk about that what that means later on uh and that's really an interesting discussion right just that alone uh we fail do we not don't you find in your life that you fail in this struggle so much and uh uh It shouldn't be that way. But if we do it in our own strength, we will fail. Verse 15, he says in chapter 7, what does he say? For what I am doing I do not understand, for I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. I entitled this this sermon, uh, Why Do I Do What I Hate? And you know as a Christian, when you do something you'll go, why did I do that? I hate that. Mm-hmm. At least you better. Right? I mean, there's this conflict going on, right? See, this is what Paul is saying. If there's no conflict, struggle in your life against sin, you better question whether you really know Christ or not. And I think this is what he's talking about here. Uh, We see what his behavior was like at times. But uh, he's not approving of it. Paul was not uh, defending the wrong he was doing. He says, what I like to do as a Christian, I think this is what he's saying, what I like to do as a Christian, I don't do. At times, Paul says, what I hate as a Christian, I do. I think this is where he's getting at here. But again, it's not every time. It's not dominating his life. It's not that uh, 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 there's, there's no, uh, uh, that Christ is not there. No, Christ is there. We're, we all have this problem, do we not? For example, let's just pick pride. This kind of brings it down uh, to home. Uh, as a Christian, there's no basis for liking pride, right? There is no basis for liking pride. But at times, are we proud? Yeah. Yes. We all, we, I mean, is there anyone here that would say, I never struggle with pride? Not only do we str- struggle with pride, we're proud that we're proud. <laughs> That's the struggle that goes on. What about coldness in your life? Are there times when you're just cold? You may not even feel like coming to church, but we shouldn't like it. We shouldn't excuse it. What about laziness, slothfulness? I think sometimes that's my middle name. But can any of us say at times that we're not lazy or slothful? We are. And we should hate it. So what are the deductions that we can draw from this? Verses 16 and 17. But he says, but if I do the very thing But if I do the very thing I do, not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin dwells in me. In other words, Paul is saying it's not the law's fault. The law is not to blame for my problem. Remember, there is no conflict between the law and the believer. The conflict is between the law and what the believer does sometimes, his wrongdoing. That's the conflict. The problem uh, is in verse 17, he says, is my sin nature, that sin that still is in me. You mean after 30, 40, 50 years of being a Christian, I still have that same old sin nature? And their answer is absolutely. You do, you have it. Uh, Again, Paul is not excusing it or blaming his sinful nature and just saying, oh well. Uh, It reminds me of a story I heard of a a man who went before the judge and he said, uh, and he had robbed a bank and he was sentenced to 20 years in jail. And he said, well judge, he says, really, it wasn't me that did it. It was my old sin nature that's in me and the judge said wow that's something okay fine we'll send your sin nature to jail of course you have to go along with it you see and so uh, uh the problem is we do have this sin nature and uh we are we are responsible for what we do paul is not excusing sin uh, no we are we are guilty and, uh, and it can it's powerful, and it can trip us up. it can cause us to, to fall. Did I do something? I hit the button. I don't know what I did. All right, First Corinthians 10, twelve and 13. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. So you may think there's some area in your life that that You're just not bothered with it. You might say, boy, I would never do that. What does Paul say? Take heed that he does not fall. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as a common demand. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but will, with the temptation, uh, provide the way of escape so that uh, you will be able to endure it. So don't ever say I'm strong in this area and sin cannot defeat me there. No, we all have this sin nature that that dwells within us and uh, uh, we can fall. And Paul affirms it and reasserts it in verse 18. Look at verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. He says that is in my flesh or my sinful nature. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. And we've all experienced that. I think you've experienced that. Uh, that uh, uh, after 30 years, we still have this old sin nature. By the way, does our old sin nature get any better? A lot of Christians you talk to says, Well, you know, I'm just not as bad as I used to be. Oh. Oh. What, are you, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, my, my sin nature's better. And I said, well, you may be acting better, but you still had that same old sin nature. It never goes away. It never changes. You can still commit uh, uh, horrible, horrible sins. It does not uh, get better. Uh, he, Paul says here, no good thing dwells in my sinful nature. He's telling us. It doesn't get any better. No good thing dwells in my sinful nature. It does not get better. Paul says it again in Philippians 3.3. 3, For we are of the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ and put how much confidence in the flesh. See, if it got better, you could put confidence in it. But he's saying, no. It's that old sin nature that you've always had. So any good thought, any good fruit, anything that, that uh, uh, comes about in your life, it's, it's because of the working of the Holy Spirit. So God gets all the credit. Do you give God all the credit for the good that is in you. He says in 1 Corinthians 1, for Consider your calling, brethren, that there are not many wise according to flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but by His doing you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Who does it? Who changes you? Philippians 2.13 For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and and to work or do for his good pleasure. Who makes us willing? God does. That's what Paul says. Who makes you willing? He gets the credit. He gets the glory. Who even began that work in you? Did you? uh, Because of something you did good in your childhood? And God saw that and he said, Well, I'm going to have mercy on the goodness of that person. No. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it or perfect it under the day of Christ's coming. See, God started it. God's going to complete it. You have nothing to do as far as your good works making you better and better and better and better There is no uh, sinless perfection. Why? Because you have that old sinful nature that doesn't get any better and better and better. You're still struggling with it. And that struggle will keep going until the time you pass away. This little boy, uh, not little boy, but a young man, early 20s, asked his great-granddad who was 90, he says, Granddaddy, at what age uh, did you stop having trouble with lust towards women? And he said, it hasn't, I still have it. You see, because it stays with you. It doesn't go away. No matter how old you get, you still have this sinful nature that we struggle with. John fifteen five. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, how much can you do? pretty clear and sometimes the performance does not go along with the will to do it and this is what Paul is saying here many times we resolve to do something we're just resolved to do it and yet we don't carry it out we don't perform because we're maybe we're in our own strength or, or some other reason and we know this is true in verses 19 and 20 though Paul is restating how powerful sin does and what sin is like for to the good I want I do not do but I practice the very evil that I do not want But if I am doing the very thing I do not want I am no longer the one doing it but sin which dwells in me You see he's a converted man he knows Christ he has he has this new nature he has the holy spirit He has Christ in him, the hope of glory. But he says, I find this principle in verse 21. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. You see, it's just, this is something we all, I believe, experience. When we would do good, we would find that evil is present with us. And this goes on till we die. Sad to say. You know there's a song that we sing and it's a great song. Prone to wander, Lord I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Is that true? Do you find? Yes, I find that true in my life. But you know G. Campbell Morgan came along and he changed the words to that. He said, prone to worship, prone to serve the God I love. Is that true? Think. Now don't, I think it is. Why? Because we have the new nature. See, both are true. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Why? Because of the sin that dwells in me. But at the same time, we have this new nature. Prone to love the God I serve. It's there. It better be there. Is what I'm saying. Is there a desire in your heart to serve God, to live? Then that's the Holy Spirit in you. That's Christ in you. You wouldn't have that if it was not a gift given to you. And so that should be... And so we find this inner conflict in verses 22 and 23. He says, For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man. But I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind, and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. He says, Now there is this inner conflict with the inner what's in the inner man, the converted man, he says, that's the inner man, there's a different principle uh, uh, that is that he struggles with. This conflict with this sinful nature. And I would say if there is no conflict going on in your life with sin, there's no struggle, there's no crying out at any time in your life, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of sin, you may not know Christ. And I say that very sincerely. If you can just sin and just kind of shove it under the rug or deal with that later or things that you're struggling with, because Paul says, what does he say here? He reaches to the point in verse 24. He cries out, wretched man that I am. Wretched means exhausted as a result of hard labor. In other words, he's been wrestling with this and struggling with this conflict. And he cries out for what? Deliverance. He wants to be delivered from what's going on in him. And what does he do? He breaks forth with gratitude to God. Why? Because there is an answer. See, he's saying there is an answer. And that is what we find, I think, in verse 25. Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's where deliverance is, is in Christ. Not in keeping the law to get better. You know, it's easy to say, well, I just need to pray more so I can become a better Christian. I just need to read the Bible more. Now, don't misunderstand me. We need to do those things. But we don't do them uh, to get better. We do them because what? That's what David said. Because we love God. That's what compels us. We love God. That's why we obey Him. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Just as easy as that. And you will if you love Him. You will. Not perfectly. Because that's that struggle going on. I don't pray as I ought to. I boy I'm going to resolve that boy we're going to start praying more together and boy we'll just yeah and then something comes up we don't pray right sweetie that's that struggle see that's that battle that's going on there and Satan will come in and he'll he'll start driving wedges that's that struggle and Paul says who shall deliver me or what shall deliver me he said Christ Christ So how how does a person grow then? Very quickly. Is it through the do's and don'ts? By witnessing, by reading the Bible, by praying, so that we can get better and better and better? No. We're not sanctified. We're not saved. We're not justified by anything we do. We're not even sanctified by anything we do. Self-work won't get it. This is hard for the Christian to grasp. It's tough for me. I get caught up, you foolish Galatians. Remember, we went through the book, so this is familiar to you. Who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit? In other words, did you first come to know Christ? Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? In other words, or by the hearing with faith? What's the answer? By the hearing with faith. faith. That's what he's saying here. Are you so foolish? In other words, now that you have begun your Christian life by hearing with faith, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? No No way. You don't get better by keeping the law. And that's hard for us to understand. Law keeping has no power in it. Where do you get this power from then to live the Christian life? The Spirit. We will see that in in Romans 8. But you know what? I think it can be summed up, and I've said it before, in believing the gospel. What did Paul say to begin Romans? He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is, the gospel is the power for salvation To all those that keep the law. No. For all those that believe. In other words, more faith, more power. You want more power? Have more faith. Why? Because it's impossible to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit and His power. His power doing that. And I'm almost done. John Owen said, John Owen the great purity said, our struggle in living the Christian life is not doing, but believing. Boy, that's pretty profound. Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes again, will he find faith on the earth? That's what's important. It's by faith we live the Christian life. I can't remember if I put this verse down or not. No, I didn't. But in Ephesians 1, we find that the power to live the Christian life is by faith. Now, faith is not the power. Let me say that again. Faith is not the power. It is the switch that allows the Spirit's power to flow. You go over here and turn on the switch to turn on these lights. The switch is faith. But the electricity is the power. So, you won't power in your life, flowing through your life, the switch is faith, believing. See, my trouble is not doing, my trouble is believing. I really, and and that's a horrible thing for for a pastor to say, but I'm full of doubts and struggles and fears and and everything that, that Paul is talking about that he's wrestling against here. See, the lie is faith is some kind of spiritual energy that you get when you obey. Let me say that again. The lie is faith is some kind of spiritual energy that you get when you obey. So what is the truth? The truth is truth is faith is simply a sinner looking to Christ. Whoa, It can't be that easy. I've got to do something. Faith is simply a sinner looking to Christ. This looking is the instrument of change. Fix your eyes. Hebrews 12.2 Fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Look to Jesus. He's all you need. He is your hope. And then when you get filled with Jesus and your love for Him and His love for for you, that He would die for you, and you start dwelling on that, you'll find your life changes. Where you have been trying harder, and obeying more, and reading the Bible more, and all He wants you to do is trust Him. To look to Him. Say, I can't do this. God. I can't throw this mountain in the sea. You can't. But, The Spirit of God in you will enable you, will empower you to do the impossible. See, that's what God delights in doing is the impossible. He changed me. That's impossible. You didn't know me, but that's impossible. But He did. And He's still working on me. He's still working on me and He will continue to work on me till I die. What a great God. We're going to uh, look at uh, Romans and Romans 8 uh, as we continue this. But wow, Paul had troubles too. You know, that kind of gives me hope. I, I shouldn't say that, you know, but he's telling me, hey, I struggle with sin too. And that encourages me because I struggle with ten, uh, sin as well. Let's pray. Father, Lord, what a great God you are. Uh, that you would have mercy on us. That you would open our eyes and our understanding to who you are. God, that you would that you would uh, save us is, is just a miracle. It's a, it's, it's a marvel. Why you did not condemn us all to hell uh, is wonder of wonders. That we should gain an interest in our Savior's blood. That he would die for me. Oh God, help us... Help us, Lord, to trust you more. To trust you more. To trust you more. And then obedience that flows out of faith. Oh God, give us grace to do this. Give me grace to do this.